Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Faith in the Zone, a show about sports and faith and how the two come together in lives being touched. Right now, discover how people in sports walk in faith with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time, all this time, you covered Welcome to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern, alongside a very excited Pastor Ken Keltner Absolutely. from Brookside Baptist Church. Pastor, you've talked about Bobby Richardson on this show. We've been doing this two and a half, almost three years now. I would guess 15 <laughs> times, which well, is awesome. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I, I just... You know, as a pastor and, and knowing that Bobby has been in the ministry and yet Bobby has, uh, as as he was with the Yankees, I know, carried the, the testimony and got the nickname, I I believe, Preacher, uh, and that he had opportunities to talk to Mickey Mantle and others about the their walk with the Lord. Uh, you better believe I'm excited to, to visit with, uh, with Bobby. I, I don't know, should I call you Pastor Bobby? You know what? I'm not a pastor. I have two boys that are both pastors and uh, oh. a grandson that's in the seminary. Well, that's uh, exciting. When I had Mantle's funeral on national television, I watched uh, it. I watched it. I watched. <laughs> well, I, I came. The announcer thought I was a pastor and, and oh. gave me that title. I see. Well, it's, I, I picked it up, and you've always love the Lord. Uh, hey, right. you've always been a pastor since I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I came home that day. What what day was that funeral? Well, it was in August of 1995. I'm not sure what day of the week it was. Huh. I, I just I spent the last few days out there with him. Uh, yeah, and that was in he was at Baylor Hospital. Is that correct? Baylor Medical. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In, in the Dallas, Dallas area. Right. Yeah. I uh, I came home one day and it was in August. I guess I I f- grabbed my sandwich, flipped on the television, and you were preaching Mickey Mantle's funeral, and the uh, the national news media. That evening had uh, Bob Costas given the eulogy. Bob Bob Costas gave the eulogy, but you gave the message, and I, I still remember that message. It was a powerful message, wow. and um, man, I I don't even be, I can't begin to tell you how many times I've shared what you shared. And I I mean I normally never just go home and turn on C-SPAN. I'm usually probably looking at ESPN or something, but uh, I caught that, and man, I was glued to it, and I'll never forget it, Bobby. I your, your message was. Absolutely powerful, you know, concerning Mickey Mantle and his life, how he came to the Lord. You know, the way the way that came about, Mickey and I, of course, were teammates my whole career. In fact, I worked out at 17 years of age with the Yankees right after I graduated from high school. Signed with them, came to New York, and um, I was told to put on a uniform, field some ground balls, get in the batting cage, take a few swings, then shower and go up the stands. And I did feel the ground balls, and I went up to the batting cage, but I wasn't about to step in front of Yogi Berra or Hank Bauer. And Mickey Mantle came up to mine, put his arm around me and said, come on, kid, stay in, 
step in here and take some swings. And it really started a friendship that lasted a lifetime. Not only all of our time together in New York, but afterwards we had a place together in Boone, North Carolina, at Grandfather Mountain. And I can't think of a number of times that he came down to my home or the university while I was coaching. And in all of those occasions, I always made sure there was somebody with him that knew and loved the Lord. And, uh, and we would have a chance to read the scriptures and uh, maybe talk about the Lord. And so it was a, a, a long friendship that, uh, that uh, came about uh, after Baylor Medical Center. We saw the, the difference in his life, and uh, so I'm just grateful for that. We are talking to former New York Yankee Bobby Richardson. Hey, Bobby, can you can we talk a little bit about your upbringing, where you were, where you were raised, and and if we can kind of go from 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 there to to playing high school ball and then with the Yankees. But let's start if we can with with uh, where you were born and raised. My home is Sumter, South Carolina. My roommate, all of my years in the minors and major leagues, Tony Kubek, started out in Milwaukee as a professional ball player. Appleton, Wisconsin now lives there and just a close, close friend. But uh, Sumter, South Carolina, didn't have organized little league, but our YMCA sponsored a knee pants league, and I played, loved basketball as well as baseball. And then my freshman year went out for the high school baseball team, and I got cut. We were playing basketball two weeks late going out. Big catcher and I went out. He made the team after three days, and I was cut. But I made the American Legion team that summer. We won the state championship, the regional championship, and we were playing in sectional play in Charlotte, North Carolina, against Richmond, Virginia. The winner of that game would go to the American Legion World Series in Omaha, Nebraska. And before that last game, they took our team out to see the film, Pride of the Yankees, the story of Lou Gehrig. Gary Cooper played the part in the film. Babe Ruth was his own person in the film. Bill Dickey as well. And I remember seeing that film and thinking, what a great organization. I would like to be a part of that. Hmm. Just so happened. The next year, um, I was 15 years old. I was a sophomore in high school. And Mayo Clinic and the Norfolk Tars had spring training in my hometown of Sumter, South Carolina. I made the high school team. He came out, saw me play. After the game, said, when you graduate, I'll see to it. You have a chance to sign with the Yankees. Kept his word. And sure enough, at 17, I signed. And... That's when I worked out and met Mickey Mantle. Hey, f- follow up, Bobby. Did, how did you do in that American Legion game? Um, well, uh, it's funny you'd ask because I was playing second base. I had moved from short to second, and we had a w- double play ball that was hit to me. I straddled the bag, was sure I touched the bag as I made the relay to first base. The umpire called him safe and second out at first. We lost the game by one run, and in essence, as a 14-year-old, I was the goat of that series, and uh, mm. I, I wasn't, you know, everybody kind of excited with me and thought I touched it. I was traveling the bag, and the major leagues, they would never call that, I, I'm sure. But nevertheless, they did. We lost the game. Mm. Boy, yeah. that's, I bet but you, I bet for, later, yeah, two I bet. years later, we had the same experience. Two years later, we were playing in the last game, this time against, uh, I think it was a team from Florida. And we lost again. I, I didn't have anything to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I bet you. Th- I bet you thought about that play for a long time. Well, I did, and you know, it's funny to say this, but I remember after the '64 World Series, Yogi Berra was our manager. Tony Kubek was hurt, and Phil Lance was playing shortstop. And there was a ball hit to me at second base, and I didn't feel it clean, but I stayed with it. And when I finally caught up with it, just flipped it up. And if Tony had been playing, he'd have stayed right there. We'd have got one out. 
Phil wasn't used to my playing, and so he came on across the bag. He didn't stop on the bag. And so the runner hit him, and uh, the next guy walked, bases loaded. The next guy, Kenny Boyer, hit a grand slam. We lost that game. And flying in the plane back to New York, Yogi Berra sat down by my wife and I on the plane. He said, you know, he said, uh, I'm meeting with the Yankees tomorrow. I'm going to ask for a two-year contract. Uh said, I'm looking forward to them saying yes. And uh, my wife spoke up and said, well, if Bobby, that's me, had booted that ball and loaded the bases for Ken Boy, would have won that series. <laughs> Yogi laughed a little bit. I didn't laugh, but Yogi laughed a little bit. And the next day, driving home, I had never been so surprised in my life when the radio announcer said Yogi Bear has been fired and Johnny Keene, who managed the Cardinals, has been named manager of the Yankees. Oh, man. And uh, that was a big disappointment, and I, I felt worse about that one after that. Mm. Oh, no doubt. Hey, when when you played uh, high school ball in Sumter, South Carolina, Bobby, uh, were, were, were you, as a junior and senior, were you the guy? You know, were you the the best player on the team? Were you the guy that everybody <laughs> thought would had a chance to play at the next level? I was a good-feeling second baseman that would make a good defensive play every now and then. I hit one home run my whole high school and legion career. And there was a scout at the game, and he said, boy, you hit that ball really good. You do that. I said, oh, yeah, I can hit the ball out of the park. <laughs> That's the only one I hit. But to answer your question, we had a, a balanced team, and I was one of the one of the starting lineup all the time, but I wasn't outstanding. But the scouts, I think, could sense that I loved the game and I had the potential to play infield and perhaps uh, move runners around and do some things that would help a ball club. And so uh, when the when, there was no draft at that time, but uh, there were 16 teams, eight in the uh, eight in the American, eight in the National. Out of the 16, 12 of them afforded me the same opportunity of signing. If you got over $4,000, you had to go up and spend two years on the parent roster, and that would be a wasted uh, time for a 17-year-old. And so I signed with the Yankees, not even thinking that uh, that uh, there were other ball clubs available. Did uh, how long did you spend in the minors then? Well, I had a quick minor league career, just two years. At nineteen, I played at Binghamton, New York, and Denver, Colorado. Hmm. And I guess I was pretty good in hitting in both of those. I I was second in the league. And I was second in the league in uh, in uh, Binghamton. It was a pitcher's league, and 312 led the league, and I hit 310. And then in Denver, I was third. Kubek was ahead of me, but I hit 338, and he hit about 340. But there was one guy that hit 360. He was later killed in an airplane accident. But uh, So I hit good in the minor leagues. At 19, they called me up from Denver, and I had a little time there where I went back and forth. But uh, they voted me World Series shares in 55 and 56 against the Dodgers. My first full year starting in Continuum was 1957. And that's when we uh, played that team in your hometown. It's not the Atlanta Braves, but the, the Milwaukee, Milwaukee Braves. Braves you bet. Eight. Right. right. Hey, did, do you remember the first game that, that, that you played at Yankee Stadium when you were in New York? Well, I do remember it. And uh, the thing I remember most is walking through the dugout and uh, coming in and realizing that I was playing on that field that I'd seen Lou Gehrig stand up at home play that. And um, uh, Jim Bunning was pitching, and I got a base hit, and uh, I stole second base, and somebody walked, and Yogi Berra hit a two- or three-run homer, and we won the game. And I didn't touch the ball, didn't have a feeling play at all in that first game. But hmm. uh, wow. several people have sent me the, uh, the uh, let's see what you call it, the box score from, from those games on the ticket of that game. Uh, 
So that's I have awesome. that here in my, my little office. I do remember it very well. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I, I, I love that. Those kind of stories just oh, yeah. bring mm-hmm. goosebumps to yeah. to my arms. And, and I love the fact that, you know, Tony Kubek, who's a Milwaukee guy, um, living in Appleton and, and uh that that when when you talk about your stories with with the Yankees, he's a guy that obviously you know a really good friend of yours. That was an, oh man, he was a great baseball player. Out of Levan Hall of Fame broadcaster. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I was yeah. going to mention that when I was growing up, it was always Tony Kubek was uh, doing the play by play. For oh, that means you're younger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a tad younger. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. But I'm right. getting older. I'm getting older. Trust me, Bobby. Right. Yeah, right. he he was he was well, a Tony, great. Go ahead. Tony's the most learned guy. I room with him in the minor leagues, the major leagues, and honestly, he would have made a great commissioner of baseball. I know you had one from Milwaukee, but Tony Kubek would have been a wonderful commissioner of baseball. He just had all the knowledge, and he knew how to handle people, and just a, a, a close friend. Hey, guys, let's get to a break. Other side of the break, Bobby, we're going to talk a little bit more about your faith and, and how it's affected your life uh, professionally and, and personally. And we'll talk a little bit about um, your faith in the locker room, and, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll get uh, your testimony as well on the other side. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Back to Faith in the Zone, a journey on how people in sports walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Bunzel's Old Fashioned Meat Market. Here's host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time, all this time, you covered me. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern alongside Pastor Ken Keltner from Brookside Baptist Church, our special guest for the entire hour, former New York Yankee Bobby Richardson. I don't know who's more excited about doing this show today <laughs> than you, Pastor. This is, man, I, I love your excitement and, and passion for this show uh, on a weekly basis, but this one is over the top, and, and I appreciate that, man. Uh, I really I, do. Well, I, I love hearing how people began their journey with the Lord. I've... You know, I've read the the Mickey Mantle track. I, I listened to to Bobby preach uh, Mickey's um, message at his funeral. I, it is, it's a great privilege. And I did. I thought you were were pastoring according to uh, how, how I don't know how you were introduced or what, but somehow I had in my mind you were pastoring. But uh, I liked what you said a minute ago, Bobby. You just you just love the Lord, and we'd love for you just to share with us how your journey of faith uh, with Jesus Christ began. Well, I sure will, and I mentioned uh, to you before we went on the air, I have two boys. Uh, they're 57 and 58 now. One's in Michigan. He has planted two churches in Michigan, wow. uh, and uh, I have a younger son that's a Southern Baptist pastor. He's in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Both boys were pastors in my hometown. In fact, both at the same time, and uh my wife made to go to the eight thirty service at one and the eleven o'clock at the other. So <laughs> well, I'm you kind of glad one moved to Alabama. Yeah, well, yeah, or you'd be going to two or three. Hey, I'm fifty eight, well, so I'm right. I'm right in that camp with with okay, your boys. Right. And, uh, and I have a younger son, Rich, that uh, started out with Chick Fil A, graduated from Clemson in architecture, and honestly, he's in Andy Stanley's church. And okay, yeah. as a Christian businessman, he has had more impact than most pastors. I, yeah. He just has had mission trips and uh, has wonderful opportunities for the Lord. And so that's my case. I I was 12 years old when I started out in Sunday school and had two wonderful pastors. 
One worked for the power company, one was a farmer. And boy, they presented the gospel in clarity. They challenged me in a wonderful way. And both of them decided it was that time in my life when I really needed to make sure of my decision to receive Christ as my Savior. Made an appointment with my pastor, went over to home on his home on a Sunday afternoon and walked in and he started sharing the gospel. He shared that God loves us and had a plan and purpose for our life and started out by saying, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Explained that the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and I knew that in my life I had just pleased God in many ways. And he pointed out the penalty involved, the wages of sin is death. Then he shared the good news, that Christ died for my sins, he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And that day as a young teenager, for the first time in my life, I really understood that uh, I knew about the Lord some 2,000 years ago, but that it, I realized it was a personal relationship with a living Savior who gives to us an abundant life. And that day I repented of my sin and asked the Lord Jesus to come into my heart. And the verse to seal my decision at that time was John 1.12. But as many as received him, meaning Jesus Christ, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to those that believe on his name. And uh, I just uh, appreciate those Sunday school teachers so much, but really there was a wonderful change in my life as I grew older and started dating a little bit and got interested in one girl in particular that moved into my town. And on our first date, she wanted to make sure that I was a Christian, and I told her that I was, that I accepted Christ as my Savior. But there was something different about her. She not only knew Christ as Savior, but he was Lord of her life. And mm. boy, I tell you what, uh, She's made the difference in my life, and my boys are in ministry now, and my girls are excited about the Lord, and I have 15 grandchildren. I have, we're expecting our seventh great-grandchild, and Betsy has been the one that's challenged them concerning their life, and just been <clears> such <throat> an encouragement to our family. Wow, that is just a wonderful, wonderful testimony, Bobby. I, I'm just moving to, to just hear how you went through the gospel. I mean, plain and simple and and I'm thankful for the pastors and those Sunday school teachers. I, I can't thank our Sunday school teachers enough, you know, for the time they spend with right. our children to, to continue to give them that message. And and uh, I, I listened to, to you share that, and I just had to thank the Lord that uh, that I grew up in a pastor's home. And, uh, you know, I had Sunday school teachers. I had my mom and dad, and it was my mom who, who shared with me one night after church that same message. And I'm just... To this day, I'm so grateful and thankful for the privilege of, of of being able to you know to have received that gift of eternal life, knowing that I'm going to live eternally with God one day. And and Bobby, as you shared it, it was just wonderful to to hear. And I'm thankful for it. And so, I'm sure I'm sure so God I, has used you in a great way and and sharing that with others. So when I went into baseball, I was a Christian, and in particular that first uh, team that I played for, the Norfolk Tars, I didn't do well. I took the place of Dick Sanders, who was a wonderful home run hitter that was a shortstop that was a favorite of the town. And he left for a three-week uh, time in reserves, and I took his place. And I didn't do well at all, and uh, I was ready to quit and go back home. And I remember that my junior high school physical education teacher wrote me a letter. And in that letter, he had the verse, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and mm. his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. My dad came up, met with the general manager, and they decided I shouldn't come home, but instead go down to Class D ball. And down in Class D ball, 
I hit 412 and jumped over that team the next year and played in Binghamton, New York. We played the Yankees, beat them 5-3 in an exhibition game, and Casey Stengel said to me, hey, kid, I'm not sure you ever learned my name, that I want you to come down to an instructional school in Florida. And I did the next year, went quick, quickly to AAA, and then, of course, to the Yankees at 19. Mm. We were talking about... Uh, ex- I started to say one more thing. Sure. In mm. Binghamton, there was a young Christian. He was married, and he really loved the Lord Jesus. He was sent from Birmingham, the AA club, down to Binghamton. We played all year together. He and his wife sort of took me under their wing. They encouraged me. We'd go to church together uh, on Sundays, and uh, he would uh, have devotions with me. We had prayer together, and just a real, real uh, wonderful Christian. And so when I got out of baseball and became the baseball coach at the University of South Carolina, the first thing I did was call him and said, I want you to come and be my assistant coach. And he did, and just a Mm -hmm. wonderful relationship all these years. And I ended up at Liberty University, athletic director, and I called him again, and I said, I want you to be the baseball coach here. He did come up, but he was coach of the year, his first year there in uh, Liberty University. So and that's the Lord awesome. has put me with wonderful Christians throughout, and Tony Kubag knows and loves the Lord in a wonderful way as well. Hmm. Hey, Bobby, and I've had seven, eight of my my teammates' funerals. I'm not sure you're aware of that. But, no, I, uh, I wasn't aware of that, no. It started out with kidding. I remember that uh, we were on a plane, and... Uh, and some of the guys drank before it got on. We were the last team to fly. We traveled by train in those first days. But there was good-natured kidding. And when we won the pennant, which we did nine out of the first ten years, they would have their champagne bottles at bus. And they, they would joke and have me a small Coke bottle. <laughs> and uh, we were known as the Milkshake Twins, Tony and I. I'm not sure Tony liked that, but uh, we were known as the, as the Milkshake Twins. Yeah. But the Lord has just given me a wonderful rapport with my teammates, and uh, I've had seven of their funerals, including Roger Maris, and uh, hmm. and it was at Roger Maris's funeral, in fact, when I was representing the Yankees, I had the eulogy, and uh, his wife had called and asked if I would do that, and Mickey Randall was a pallbearer, and it was so cold out there in Fargo, North Dakota, and we got on that motorhome going back when the service was over, and Mickey Randall sat down by me, and he said, I want you to have my funeral. Well, I didn't know what to say. I don't think I said anything. But when I saw him again, he said, don't forget that you have my funeral. Hmm. And then we had that place together in Boone, North Carolina. And every time I was with him, he said, don't forget that you have my funeral. Yeah. And that's when we had those wonderful conversations when you the need to say yes to Christ, to spend eternity with him. And uh, he did come on up come through in a wonderful way, and I'll share that if you'd yeah. like. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Do, do, do that here in a few moments. But, Bobby, did what what so that was your were that was your nickname with Tony or did they have the nickname and, and referring to you as the preacher? I was never known as the preacher. Okay, I was never known as the preacher, but uh, it was good natured because uh, we had two times when the, I had permission to go home on any off day. I remember one time we were in California. Uh, Sunday we always played doubleheaders. Monday was an off day, and I chose to fly home to spend time with my family. And then I'd rejoin the club on Tuesday. And on one of those flights, uh, they had the, the landing gear wouldn't go down. They had some trouble. And, and so uh, John Blanchett in particular and several others have been rigging. They said, where's Richardson? And they said, he's not on there. And they said, oh, my goodness, we're in trouble now for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it was always good-natured kidding. And uh, mm-hmm. yet uh, I remember Moose Guy would strike out and he'd use profanity. He came to me. He said, oh, excuse me, Bobby. He stopped for a minute and then he'd pick it up on the other side. But... 
<laughs> I, I, I don't want to say it the wrong way, but we just had a great rapport. There was respect there for me, but at the same time, um, they they knew how I stood, and, and, and we had a great great time together. All my you know, Bobby, that's, uh, and we just have a short time in this segment. That was one of the questions that I wanted to ask back back then. And and and, and these players in the locker room knew knew you and knew who you were and what you stood for. What, was it was that fully accepted back then? I know in today's day and age, when you talk about major league baseball players, we've had a lot of them on faith in the zone. You know, they talk a lot about baseball chapel and they talk about coming together, the Christian players coming together, um, you know, on a weekly or a daily basis. And I'm wondering back in, in, in your time, was was the idea of having a Christian baseball player in the locker room fully accepted? Well, uh, I wish I could have more time to stay, except to say, I think a lot of it depends on the individual. If you're one that tries to corner them in every move and, uh, uh, for instance, I had a wonderful relationship with Joe DiMaggio, mm-hmm. and uh, he didn't have anybody come to his funeral. Yet there was a sports writer from San Francisco that called me and said, I interviewed Joe, and he had a lot to say about you, and I made some notes. I'd like to send you the notes. And Joe DiMaggio very simply said, boy, I really appreciate it, and we were wonderful friends. He had confidence in Kubek and I to the extent that he uh, came back as a coach, and he trusted us so much he'd call us, and now, guys, I'm not going to California. When you get there, the phone will ring. It'll be Marilyn Monroe. I want you to tell I didn't make the trip now, and I'd be in touch with her. But he came down to my hometown when I ran for Congress way back, I don't know how many years ago. We had a barbecue, and uh, I remember that uh, at that time, what's the guy's name that spent time at Watergate uh, in prison for a little bit? Um, uh, Chuck Colson? Chuck Colson wrote the book, Born Again. Yeah. And I gave it to Joe, and he said, well, I didn't like him. I said, well, I think you'll like the change in his life. He said, okay. He said, I'll take it then. And um, I think it was about two weeks later, Decision Magazine had Joe's brother, Vince. He had two, three brothers, Dom, Vince, and, of course, Joe. And uh, Vince was uh, in Decision Magazine sharing that he was reading the sports page. Billy Graham was on national television. He put down the sports page, and the third day after walking, watching Billy Graham, got on his knees and was born again. And that was the name of the book. And he dropped me a note. He said, I got your book. And and, uh, so we just had a wonderful rapport. And then Ralph Houck was my manager all my life. I had his funeral down in in Florida. And he uh, had me speak to the whole ball club that last name. I had a day in New York. I was a 10th Yankee to have a day at Yankee Stadium. George Beverly Shea sang How Great They Are. Oh, National Anthem. Debbie Wilson, George Wilson, and Grady Wilson were there. Billy was out of the country at the time. And, and they uh, gave a track. There was a track that I had written they gave out. And I just had a great rapport with my teammates, so much so that I had Roger Maris's uh, eulogy. I had Mickey's funeral all together. Ina Slaughter, Cleet Boyer, Moose Garrett, wow. Steve Hamilton. And uh, each one was different. Uh, country Slaughter had a little girl born the same day my son was born in Ridgewood, New Jersey, at Valley Hospital. And, and it was the daughter that asked me to have his funeral. I spent time with him in Duke, and he made a decision for Christ. Mm. So it was exciting. Cleet Boyer came to know Christ. Uh, uh, Chicago White Sox, uh, um, one of the administrators, led him to Christ. So, I mean, it was just mm. exciting. It's hard to believe, and I'll say this and you won't believe it, but uh, back when George Girardi was a catcher on the Yankees, Baseball Chapel had uh, 17 guys that knew the Lord. They don't only had a Bible study, they had a uh, a discipling group, and they also had an accountability group as well. 
And I remember speaking one time. They had asked me to come back and speak at an old-timers game. And uh, there were 17 guys, and they just led Chuck Mopcock to the Lord at that time. Oh, wow. I remember Paul O'Neill said, hey, I want to talk to you. And uh, he came back, and he said, everybody says I'm too... I'm too tense. I'm too aggressive. I said, well, what are you hitting now? He said, about 346. I said, keep doing just what you're doing. That's good, that's good advice. That is good advice, guys. <laughs> no, you're talking. No, no this you're is, fine. Bobby, are you kidding me? This is exactly what we're hoping for, man. Hey, let's get to a break. Other side of the break, we'll continue okay. our conversation. Former New York Yankee Bobby Richardson. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The fan. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone, an inside look at people in sports and their walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by All American Window and Door. Here's host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 1057 FM, The Fan. All this time, all this time, you covered me. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern alongside Pastor Ken Keltner from my church, Brookside Baptist Church. Our special guest, former New York Yankee, Bobby Richardson. And, and I'm just telling you, this is one of my favorite shows already. I, I, I'm just having a great time listening to Bobby. Yeah, Pastor, i got to tell you, I, I've heard you tell a story mm-hmm. a number of times. And you, you tell it with such conviction, and you tell it about Bobby Richardson and his wife. And and one time you said to me, look, I heard this, and I'm pretty sure this is true. We finally can go right to the horse's mouth on this one and yeah. find out if if yeah. what you've been telling. And I was I've glued to C-SPAN, man. Yeah, yeah, but hold on. Let's let's uh, go ahead and tell the story, Pastor, and let's find out if, if you've got this correct or not. Well, yeah, I want uh, let's let's go to Bobby. Bobby, tell us uh, a little bit about Mickey's Mickey's conversion Mickey and then, Mantle, and, yep. then, and then when you when you all saw him at the hospital, all right, cause, at, at cause Baylor I, Hospital, because hey, I was a patient no, at Baylor one but time. Bobby, so that, hold on, now, he tells a story about Betsy coming in and and talking okay. to Mickey, and I we I, I gotta know if he's telling me the truth or not. <laughs> well, I can sure verify that he was. So here here goes. You remember I said a little bit earlier in the program that um, I had Roger Maris's funeral, and he asked me to have his funeral. Since that time, we ran into each other several times, but the main time was I was sitting down um, in, in, actually, I was asleep in my hotel in Dallas, the All-Star game. I was active in baseball chapel, and they were having a board meeting, and I was in Dallas, and my phone rang at 5 o'clock in the morning. Betsy answered the phone, in fact. It was Mickey, and he said, Betsy, I'm really hurting. Uh, he, we had seen him before that on national television with Bob Costas, and he was telling about the fact that he was no hero. He was not uh, not somebody to look up to. He said, I've been through Betty Ford. I don't drink anymore. But it took so much courage for him, looking like he did at that time, to stand in front of a national audience and in a humble way to say that. But then he added, but I still have a void in my heart. And I remember that uh, that morning at 5.30, the phone rang when we were at Dallas, and Betsy gave me the phone, and it was Mickey, and he said, I'm at Baylor Medical Center. I'm I'm waiting for a liver transplant. I'm in the midst of chemotherapy and so forth. And and he said, I want Bobby to pray for me. He, Betsy had told me that. And so we did have prayer. And I shared this one verse with Mickey. I said, Mickey, there's a great verse in Philippians. I said, I like the Phillips translation. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. Find your joy in him at all times. Never forget his nearness. 
Then it says, tell God in detail your problems, your anxieties. And the promise is the peace of God that passeth all understanding. And uh, that'll keep our hearts and minds resting in the Lord Jesus and give us uh, rest from that anxiety. And um, we, Betsy went out the next two days with Merlin and his wife, and Mickey and I talked several other times. And as I started to leave one more time, he said, don't forget, here I have my funeral. And then that next time was when we received a call from Mickey. He had taken a turn for the worse, and he wanted Betsy and I to come and to be with him those last days. Immediately, we were on a plane flying toward Dallas, and one more time, I wanted to be bold in my witness. I can remember about six times when we spent time together. He came to the University of South Carolina, and I remember talking about the Lord and the need for him to say yes to Christ. came to my hometown. We gave away 2,000 Mickey Mantle bats. He gave a batting exhibition. He wouldn't do that for anybody. And once again, we talked about the Lord. And uh, as we were flying out, I wanted him to spend eternity with me. And so I was going to be bold in my witness, and I dropped Bess off at the home we're staying in. And when I walked in, three of his teammates had just left, Whitey and uh, several others. And I remember he had a smile on his face, and he said, Come over here. I can't wait to tell you this. I want you to be a Christian. I've accepted Christ as hmm. my Savior. And I remember crying a little bit, and I said, Mickey, let me go over with you just to make sure you understand. And I went over God's plan of salvation, but he loves us sent his son, the Lord Jesus, to shed his precious blood and promised in his word that if we would repent of our sin and receive him as Savior, we might indeed have everlasting life. And he said, that's just what I've done. Mm. Well, I couldn't wait to get back and tell that to Betsy. And she's a wonderful witness and a friend of Mick. And she said, let's go back and let me talk to her. Maybe you didn't explain it right. So <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and Mickey was, uh, he said, oh, Betsy, let me get comfortable. With IVs in both arms, his two boys helped him over the reclining suite in the adjoining room. And she knelt down by him. And she shared her testimony of how she'd come to know Christ. And then she asked Mickey the question, if a holy God were here today, and he would ask you the question, why should I let you in my heaven, what would you say? He said, Betsy, we're talking about God. And she said, that's right. Then he paused and started quoting John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know what? He had been listening to an audio of Pete Maravich's testimony. Wow. Lifestyle very much like Mickey's, and yet the most humble testimony I think I've ever heard. And that's what had the impact in Mickey's life in that time and prompted that uh, saying yes to the person of Christ. Well, Pastor. And he told the doctors he was ready, and he went on to be with the Lord. And, mm. You know, there's one thing, and I always, when I'm speaking, and I have wonderful opportunities. Last Sunday, I spoke to three World Series of Dixie Youth Baseball. They had uh, 950 young athletes and coaches and fans and umpires all together in a big church in Laurel, Mississippi. And I say, you know, Mickey. Um, had a, had his number retired. They had a day for him at Yankee Stadium, and I was there. And I remember that Mickey had come up to me, and he said, I've heard you use some words. I want to use them on my day. Well, it was one of those days when too much was going on. He didn't have a chance. But on national television, after they'd already had that day and retired his number on Monument and Centerfield, these were the words I used to end his funeral, and you might remember that, Mike. It said, your name may not appear down here in this world hall of fame. In fact, you may be so unknown that no one knows your name. The trophies, the honors, the flashbulbs here may pass you by, and the lights are blue. But if you know and love the Lord, then I have news for you. This hall of fame is only good as long as time shall be. But keep in mind, God's hall of fame is for eternity. Mm. This crowd on earth, they soon forget the heroes of the past. 
They cheer like mad until you fall, and that's how long you last. But in God's Hall of Fame, but just believing in His Son inscribed, you'll find your name. I tell you, friend, I wouldn't trade my name, however small. That's written there beyond the stars, and that's celestial hall. For every famous name on earth, a glory there this year. I'd rather be an unknown here and have my name up there. Mm. And I guess that really does say it all. And that was what I closed with on that day uh, mm. with Mickey Mantle. Mm. Wow. And I don't know how many copies of that, uh, that poem I've sent out over the years. And uh, they were, it was given to me one day. My son was just learning to read, crossing the George Washington Bridge. And he said, Dad, here's a letter from Canada for the People's Church. He's written this song, this poem. He said, you feel free to use it anytime you want to, and it has indeed been used. Wow. I'm going to remember that, Bobby. That that, uh, that was tremendous. And that's probably, I mean, I mean, if Mickey Mantle was uh, alive today, uh, you know, what what do you think would be his primary message to the, to the people of, not just of baseball, but of the world? Well, knowing, me, knowing him as well as uh, I do, I think he would just... Uh, Say, you know, I just wish I'd had a little longer to talk, to tell other people not to do what I did, not to put it off. I remember the last game that I played with the Yankees, Ralph Houck had arranged me not to play for two weeks, but to help and encourage the young second baseman on the Yankees that was going to take my place and play for the next seven years. And I brought a friend in to speak to the Yankee ball club, knowing there was someone in the club that didn't know Christ. And this guy really is a communicator. And he gave a wonderful message, and I told him not to speak over 15 minutes because athletes wouldn't listen any longer than that. A three-point message, the question is asked, and he wrote it up on the blackboard, what have you done with Jesus Christ? And then to give three possible answers, one to say yes, one to say no, and one to say maybe. And I remember as he explained each one of those and the fact that uh, as I looked around and I, I was a part of that devotion, I saw three of the guys that had said yes to Christ on the Yankee ball club. But then when the devotion was over and he had explained that uh, the X fact of death means that if you say maybe it's no, the young baseman came up and said, you know, I've never heard that before, a personal relationship with a living Savior who you says in abundant life. I would like to see Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I think what Mickey would say is don't wait until that last minute. Yeah. Give your life to Christ early and so they can uh, be a witness. In yeah. fact, I think he would say three things. Join a church where God's Word is taught and expanded. Spend time in His precious Word. Talk to Him in prayer. And allow the Holy Spirit to empower you so that you can be a witness. Mm. Well, that might be the most powerful segment we've ever done on Faith in the Zone. You know, Pastor... You've been telling the story, right? Oh, I, You've been telling the story. I was glued story, to it. <laughs> right. And, and look, I'm sorry, but you may have to send Betsy a check, man, because <laughs> you might have to drop I, I did, a check. I, I, yeah. You, you, tell, have, you tell Betsy, Bobby, I well, have used I her what. question <laughs> to many people with a New York Yankee baseball cap and on. And it should be a big check, my wife, too. <laughs> my wife has had a great influence with some of the wives at Yankee Stadium. They'd get together and had a little Bible study going every now and then, and so... Uh, the Lord really has blessed. You know, I, I ended up coaching. Do you all know about that? I coached University of South, South Carolina. Carolina yeah. right, yeah. And, and our team finished second in the nation way back in 75. We were 51-6, and six, final Texas beat us the final game. And you know what the highlight of my career was in baseball? It was when uh, I called the Yankees. I actually played one extra year. They gave me a five-year contract to break Bobby Mercer in. And... Um, when I called them back, at, uh, they gave me that five-year contract, and uh, 
told that I was going to be a coach at South Carolina, they said, well, when you get settled, they also said, if you want to come back, you can be our broadcaster, you can be our AAA manager, or you can be our coach on the major league level. I said, no, the travel was the reason that I got out. And they said, well, give us a call when you get settled. We'll bring the Yankees down to play your ball club. Oh, wow. And I called them up after we lost uh, by one run to Miami in regional play. But I'm ready for you. Leaving field was the general manager. And he said, well, we're traveling north with the Mets. And I thought he was going to say, we just can't work it out. He said, well, the already both teams come down and play your ball club. And Yogi was managing the Mets. And the Yankees and the Mets flew into Columbia, South Carolina. We played three innings against the Yankees, three against the Mets. They played each other under the lights. And you can imagine, just put our team on the map, and uh, the next year we finished second in the nation in the College World Series. Boy, that's uh, a thrill. Oh, man, that is. That is awesome, guys. We've got to get to a break. On the other side of the break, we'll continue our conversation with former New York Yankee Bobby Richardson. Pastor, you've called him a pastor. But and 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 he may not be, or never, you know, he hasn't been, but he could be. I'd, I'd uh, go to that church. Yeah. I wouldn't leave Brookside, but I'd, I'd come over well, to watch. You, you were jumping uh, up and down when he said fifteen minutes 15, for the message. Man, fifteen you, you, minutes. You're, ta- <laughs> you're, you're talking my language right there. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. More now of Faith in the Zone. Discovering people of sports and their walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Young Express. Back with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time, all this time, you covered me. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern alongside Pastor Ken Keltner. And our, our guest, he might be it's our wonderful. favorite guest. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, former New York Yankee Bobby Richardson. Hey, Bobby, we just have a short segment here. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the platform uh, that the Lord has given you, and, and, and it's obvious that you have utilized that platform as much as possible. Uh, even after you know your days of playing and, and you've been away from the game for a while, you obviously still still utilize that platform the Lord has given you to spread His Word, correct? Well, he has opened up unbelievable doors and, and different at different times. For instance, I was able to speak at all the mayor's prayer breakfasts in most of the various uh, large cities in the country, whether it was Miami or Dallas or Fort Worth or, or Chicago. The Lord used that over a period of time. Then all of a sudden it was World Series uh, banquet, and, uh, and I was used to, to speak in those. But I think the favorite has been uh, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes all through the years, and I was one of the board of directors for a long time. Coach Landry and I worked together, and both were active. And when he passed away, the Lord just opened up unbelievable opportunities across the country of me speaking to fundraising affairs for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. But even today, just like last Sunday, I spoke to three um, uh, World Series competitions, 12-year-old, 13-year-old, 14-year-olds, and so even after 50 years of retirement from baseball, the Lord has opened unbelievable doors. Now, I'm getting older, and I'm slowing down, and uh, I'm not looking for opportunities now because uh, it's that time in my life when I'm expecting seven new, my seventh great-grandchild. 
Wow. And I'm concentrating wow. a little bit more on my family right yeah, now. That, that's... 15 grandchildren, that's uh, kind of full-time. Oh, that is full-time job. Hey, were you able to do anything with mission trips, anything? Uh, maybe you went over and did well, some sort of I baseball? Was so... with Billy Graham on uh, national television, both of them in Tokyo and, uh, in fact, in Japan twice. I was with him at the Madison, at the, the Astrodome with the president in attendance, sharing my testimony, Madison Square Garden in Honolulu. So the Lord unbelievably gave me wonderful mission opportunities. But I'm excited to say that my daughter has been a missionary with the Africa Inland Mission for mm. the last seven years in Kenya. Mm. Mm. And yeah. uh, they took a lot of short-term mission trips, but yeah. uh, eventually just uh, the Lord led them to go out there full-time. Yeah. And they just got back seven years. And my kids have all been involved in mission trips as well. Yeah. Both my boys, when they were 14 years old, went with Stephen Olford overseas, and I feel like uh, they're in a the ministry now because of that mission trip. Yeah. Well, I have four boys, and missions trips played a big, big role there in their life. Yeah. You, you mentioned traveling with Billy Graham. Uh, was Were you ever with Louis uh, Zamperini? I know the name, but I was not with him. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah he, but my daughter's in Louis Giglio's church in, in the oh, planet. You oh, know that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So, uh, wow, that's that's tremendous to hear of the opportunities God gave you, even after 50 years in baseball, to be uh, that that platform. I have a yeah. birthday this week. I'll be 81. So wow. The Lord has given me a... Can, hey, uh, Bobby, can, can you still hit a jump shot? Your basketball player? Uh, yeah, because no. you played some basketball. We were looking for a three-on-three partner with Pastry. <laughs> well, hey, hey, if you can rebound and pass, we want you on our team, Bobby. Yeah, because I like to shoot, Bobby. Yeah, <laughs> Pastor Ken's never seen a shot he hasn't liked. I'll shoot to that. get hot, shoot to stay hot. That's <laughs> what I always say. I don't want to time and just give it to him. I can tell that right now. And, and he's hard to, hard to get mad at because he keeps shooting, and if you give him that look, he just kind of waves you off and says, no, I, I got this. Let me take the next shot. <laughs> I could challenge him, challenge him to a ping pong match. So. Oh, there we go. There we go. Hey, he's you know he's from Oklahoma. I don't know if that yeah. has anything to do with it, but something about being from Oklahoma, <laughs> kind of like Buddy Held was this year. He doesn't give the ball up a whole lot. So, hey, hey boys, before you go, and I know time's running out. I want you to know I enjoyed college coaching just as much as playing. And um, Ed Young, who is pastor of Second Baptist in Houston, Texas, mm-hmm. by Mm-hmm. With my chaplain on my baseball club, led two of my guys to Christ, and mm. went on to Dallas Theological Seminary, and uh, both of them were pastors now. And mm. one of them is my pastor right here in Southfield. Well, how how neat is that? Wow. Boy, that's awesome. Pastor Ken, yeah. this was uh, this was as good as you had hoped, man. Well, Bobby Richardson, I can, I can just sit here and just keep talking, Bobby. What a tremendous um, testimony! Thank you for your all the stories and uh, just your your insight, but yet your love for the Lord. I mean, uh, you you clearly give the gospel, and I, I love hey, it. Hey, listen, yeah. Have you got a copy of my book? Can I send you a copy of my book? Oh, that, I don't. I don't think I do have a copy. No, of your that'd book, be no. awesome. It's called Impact Player. George, you already wrote the forward in the book, and uh, the Lord has really used it. I'll send both of you if after we finish this, you give me your address. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. Okay. Hey, can you imagine? Uh, I'll pick up the cost. We'll fly down to South Carolina, hang out with him for a little while. Hey, I, uh, hey, I, I get down there to Greenville I, sometimes. Man, I, I could drive over to Sumter. I'm telling you, you I, would, I would hang out in a diner with as long as Bobby Richardson. <laughs> And you'll get the coconut pie, right? I'll buy whatever, man. I'll, I'll buy the lunch. The diner is 
the diner is one block from my house. <laughs> we meet down there for coffee. It's called the Romeo Club. Retired old men eat now. So hey, I'm in. Boys, thank you so much. Uh, Bobby, thank you for your time. Pastor Ken, it's great yeah. to see you. Thanks for listening. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The fan. You've been listening to Faith in the Zone with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner. You can hear Faith in the Zone every Sunday at 8 a.m. To find past shows, exclusive podcasts, or to contribute with an inside tip for a guest, simply go to faithinthezone.com. Faith in the Zone is an inside look at people of sports and their walk in faith. Join us again next Sunday for Faith in the Zone right here on Sports Radio 1057 FM, The Fan. Was it really amazing grace? Now I know for certain, Lord, it was you that rescued me. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.